Welcome to Limitless, the Blind Beginnings podcast where seeing things differently inspires limitless possibilities. This podcast is being brought to you by Blind Beginnings, an organization based in Vancouver, Canada, that supports children and youth who are blind or partially sighted, along with their families. Limitless was created in order to inform, educate, entertain, and share stories from within the blind and partially sighted community in order to show the world that the opportunities for those who are blind or partially sighted are truly limitless. And now, it is my pleasure to introduce you to your host, the executive director and founder of Blind Beginnings, Sean Marcelet. Welcome back to Limitless, the Blind Beginnings podcast. I'm your host, Sean Marcelet. Thank you so much for joining us again this week. We have an exciting show today. We have two special guests. A couple of weeks ago, we were talking about Braille and we mentioned Sela and Nels, which are two of the organizations that help, I guess, provide some library services to individuals with uh, print disabilities. And I'm excited to welcome Picura and Karen. And uh, so we have a representative from Nels and from Sela. Welcome to both of you. Hi. Thanks so much. Hi, thanks for joining us. So maybe I will get both of you, if you can introduce yourselves better than I just did with, uh, <laughs> and your, and the organizations that you're representing today. So um, Karen, do you want to go first? Sure. Happy to. So my name is Karen McKay and I'm the communications manager for SELA, which stands for the Center for Equitable Library Access, which is a bit of a mouthful, I know. Uh, and SELA is a national not-for-profit organization, which, as you said in the intro, serves people with print disabilities uh, from across Canada. Great. And Picura? Hi there. My name is Picura and I'm the public services librarian at NELS. That's the National Network for Equitable Library Service. A bit of a mouthful too. <laughs> so maybe can you both, uh, I mean, what, what, it, what are, what do you do? Like what, <laughs> if you're cited, you go to your local public library and take out a book and it's pretty straightforward and simple. Um, in Canada, if you are blind or partially sighted, how does this, how does this work? Like, can you explain what each organization does a little bit more in detail? So, uh, CELA provides, um, titles for folks with print disabilities. Our guiding principle has always been to provide our users with as much access as we can in the formats of their choice. So that's something that's really important to us. Um, we have about um, a million titles in our collection uh, and they encompass a broad range of, of formats and a broad range of ways we can deliver those. So we work with public libraries. Um, we're a public library service and if folks want to sign up for our service, they can either go through their public library and their, um, their local staff there can help, or they can go direct to our website and they can register there. All you need to register is a public library card. Uh, but given that we're talking about this in the times of COVID and library access at the public libraries is restricted in some cases, or folks don't feel safe going into um, in person to register, especially if they've got some medical or health concerns of their own. Um, we have a temporary registration process right now where you can still get full access to our materials. And then the way folks actually get the books is they can either, again, request their library system and the libraries, many libraries across the country have what we call deposit collection. So they have some of our materials, um, mostly audio CDs in their libraries ready to go. 
or you can request them through, um, through our website. You can log into your account there and you can either download the digital resources or you can request the physical ones that we have to offer. Um, and if you request physical ones, we produce them for you. And you, if you're getting, for example, physical braille, you get a nice, fresh, clean copy of a physical braille book delivered to you via Canada Post. Um, or if you are an audio CD user, we'll burn the CD for you and put it in the mail. Same thing, you'll get it in your, in your mailbox in the next couple of days, usually. Uh, so you can listen to your books on audio um, CDs. So that's sort of like the nutshell of how we how we do things and how folks can get to our materials if they want to. Fantastic. What about Nels? How, how is that different or how does it work with you? I think we have a lot in common. We're both about delivering alternate format material. Um, Nels also advocates for accessible formats and, and publishing. And we produce content support to support our library users, librarians and publish, publishers. Our library collection is also made up largely of ebooks and audiobooks. Our content is owned and sustained by Canadian public libraries. Uh, one unique feature of NELS is that we have a mandate to purchase and produce by request. So if, all, if at all possible, we produce everything patrons ask us for and let them know when it's available. This helps us because it means that our collection remains relevant to users. And we're also increasing the number of books available to people with print disabilities. Another cool thing we do is we work with publishers to advocate for accessible workflows. And we host a working event called the Accessible Publishing Summit every year. And we have a YouTube channel <laughs> and produce videos with a focus on accessible formats, different digital tools. And the latest one you can see is a crash course in ebook accessibility video series. So, I mean, both sound like fabulous organizations that provide a lot of content for people like myself who can't read print. Can you talk a little bit about how each, each of your organizations sort of came to be, I guess, the history a little bit? Because, I mean, when I was growing up, I grew up visually impaired, uh, registered with the CNIB. The CNIB had a library and I used to get some CDs coming in the mail and then one day that sort of changed. And, you know, all of a sudden I, I heard of CELA, my, my CNIB account number seemed to mean that I, I could register and I love it. I do. I listen to audiobooks primarily, but I've downloaded some e-text as well. And it's fantastic. I can search online and then I can just download them to my phone using an app, which is like great, <laughs> but I don't really know what happened in the background to make all of that happen and make the, make those changes happen. So CELA is, uh, as you say, um, sort of a newer organization. We were established in 2014. Uh, and previous to that, um, we were essentially part of the CNIB library. Uh, so CNIB library was founded obviously by the Canadian National Institute for the Blind to provide reading materials for the folks who needed them. But then uh, there were lots of discussions that happened sort of the late 1990s, early 2000s about what was the best way for uh, people with print disabilities to have access to as much reading material as possible. And so um, from those conversations, there were lots of committee reports and working groups and that sort of thing. And, and a number of different reports were, um, uh, were developed. And out of that sort of broad conversation with a number of folks, 
both Sila and Nels kind of grew from that. So the, the Sila um, philosophy is that people with print disabilities should not have to rely on a charity in order to access their reading materials. We believe that you should be able to go to um, your local public library or receive services through a public library, just the same as your neighbors can. And so that's really one of the founding principles for SELA. So in 2014, um, with the support of CNIB and with support of public libraries, they were really instrumental in helping to to get SELA off the ground. Um, we started to work on this process and over time, over the last more eight years now, over the last eight years, um, we've been establishing more and more sort of independence. We have our own board of directors, which is made up primarily of um, uh, library folks, um, like, you know, senior staff at libraries across the country who serve on our board. Um, and we have our own, um, you know, our own funding sources, and we have our, our own mandates and our, all of that sort of stuff. So we're a completely separated um, organization now from CNIB, but we do partner with them um, to get some of the materials produced because they still have a, a production studio. So um, they're one of our suppliers, and that's sort of our our ongoing relationship with them uh, and they do amazing work. The materials that they produce are really top notch. So we're always delighted when we're able to add some of those to our collection. And they do, you know, they do um, human narrated audio for, for us on special request usually uh, and human transcribed braille and their, their materials are excellent. So that's sort of where we came from. Um, there's still a lot of confusion about where SELA begins and CNIB stops, but we are two individual organizations. So the CNIB library does still exist then? It does not. The assets from the CNIB library were transferred um, over to SELA uh, when we were established in 2014. I believe that was the technical date that things were transferred over. So CNIB library in and of itself no longer exists as its own entity. It does have a rich history and folks still, many folks still sort of think of SELA as part of CNIB, but we're not actually officially part of CNIB any longer. Um, so anything that you read as a kid uh, through the CNIB library now is in the CELA library. Okay. So I know in British Columbia, it's a little bit, not all like it, the library is either associated with CELA or NELS. And I feel like that's a little bit confusing for the user to know what, you know, in their municipality, which service will they be accessing? How would you recommend for somebody who is has a print disability and wants to access some materials like do they just go to the library or how do we is there a place a website to, that lists like which municipalities are which or does it matter how how do you navigate that. Uh, I can answer from the SILA perspective, but I suspect my answer is going to be similar to um, to the NELS perspective. So both, well, I shouldn't speak for NELS, but I believe it's true that both SILA and NELS offer um, national coverage for our services. So if you're, uh, uh, you know, no, no matter where you are in Canada, you can access SILA services. The, the difference is that for areas that are in non-funded areas, people in non-funded areas, um, where their library ha either hasn't subscribed to the SELA service or where they're not in a province that is funding the SELA service for the, the entire province, um, they have access to our digital collection, which is in itself is, is massive. Um, but you can only access the physical materials if you have a library card from one of our member libraries. And you'll know that when you go to register, you'll be able to figure that out. Um, so you're asked for your library card number and you're asked to put in your local library and there's a drop down list so people don't have to remember what their 
library's official name is. Um, and then they can find out using that um, registration process, whether they have full access to all of our physical collection as well as our digital or just our digital collection. But pretty much anything we have in physical format with the exception of print braille books are available in, um, in digital formats as well. So, uh, and most of our users use digital formats at this stage. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah, yeah, that's the same for us pretty much. Um, NELS is accessible across Canada. The only difference is to, you have to be from a funding province to request a book from us. Otherwise, everything else is accessible. So could I go to the NELS website, for example, and just sign myself up or do you have to go through a library? You do have to go through a library, yes. Okay. And do you feel like um, librarians in local libraries know about Sela and Nels? Like if you walk in off the street without warning <laughs> and you're blind and you ask, how do I access some braille books or audio books or e-text books? Like, do they know how to respond? Do they, are they, are they well-trained on all of this? Um, our hope is that, yes, you can walk into any library and talk to any staff person and they'll be able to at least direct you to the, the appropriate people to talk to to learn more. Um, but, you know, library staff changes on a regular basis and not everybody gets up to speed at the same um, at the same rate. So Sila uh, does a lot of work, as I think Nels does, with regards to training libraries and supporting libraries and providing lots of material so that they can become um, well-versed on accessible services. And actually we're working together on this really interesting joint project, uh, which we call PLARC, which is short for Public Library Accessible Resource Center. And the whole goal of that project is to be sort of a, a repository for training and information and provide that kind of extra level of service and support so that folks can, um, people in the working in the libraries can access that material quite easily. And so that's just a new initiative and it's one we're really thrilled to be working with with Nels on. Um, but if you don't, you know, if you if you have an experience where somebody doesn't know um, in the library staff, your best bet is to ask to speak to their accessible uh, or accessibility services departments. They will be well versed on on CELA and Nels services. Hmm. I wasn't even aware that that was a position at the library. So that's fantastic. It's a very important one and a growing one. So yeah, most major libraries have them. Uh, if they have, if they don't have that position, they often will have somebody that sort of does that work off the side of their desk if they're a smaller library um, and they'll know more about the, the okay. resources available for people with print disabilities. Um, I know DAISY format is one of the formats that books are available in and that I think requires still, I used to have a Daisy player machine. I left it on a plane accidentally. It was very tragic. Uh, oh dear, <laughs> but so nowadays, uh, no, it was so sad. Um, like the Victor stream or the Daisy player where it's, you know, the CD comes and you play it on your machine. Do libraries provide those machines and or do they train people on how to use them if that's the format that you're wanting to use? I would hope they will, but I think it would depend on the library. Some library have have um, staff who are really comfortable showing people through um, how to use different technologies and have access, um, but other libraries won't. So it will really depend. I do know that it it varies across the country and it varies 
you know, based on how well resourced certain libraries are. There are libraries that we're aware of that do um, circulate Daisy players. Often they they'll circulate them, and you can you know you can try them out for whatever the time period is, six weeks or something, before you decide whether that's a route that you want to go in terms of accessing your accessible reading materials. Um, and you know, libraries are doing lots of different things. They're using lots of different kinds of um, technology to help folks you know, access their books. Um, and it really, it really depends. I mean, this would be, this is, I don't really want to get on my soapbox, but it'd be really great if we had a, a more standardized level of service across all libraries. Um, because if you live in a big city, you probably have access to far more in the way of resources from your public library than you do if you live in a, in a more rural area or a, a smaller, uh, smaller town. So, um, so yeah, the short answer to your question is it really, unfortunately, kind of depends on where you live as to what's available to you. And of course, uh, new technology is coming out all the time. I am often um, sent tickets or requests for information about things I've never heard of. Uh, like not too long ago, it was Playaways. People wanted um, to know if they could borrow Playaways off us. <laughs> and I had to, oh, sorry, we don't have any, but let me look into that to find out what mm -hmm. that is, <laughs> how it mm -hmm. works. So um, it, a lot of times we're learning from people who are saying to us, hey, this library has this great new technology. Do you know where else I can find it? Right. I'd, I'd echo that. The, the challenge is that not all technologies have um, a built-in accessibility component that makes it easy for people with print disabilities to actually read their, their books on it. Um, but I can let you know that we're actually doing a pilot project right now at CELA. It's called our Expanded Delivery Pilot Project. And we're testing out three different new ways to deliver audiobooks to um, to people. So one of those is using a, a smart speaker like, uh, you know, Alexa, Google Home, that kind of thing um, to deliver books. Another is this unique small um, portable rechargeable. It's actually got a solar charger panel on it. Um, light, easy to use playaway that's very cheap. It's not a playaway, sorry, it's called Envoy Connect. Um, it's about the size of a deck of cards. And uh, so far we've had some good feedback on how well that's been used. And then we're piloting a new um, humanware player that's currently just in um, uh, pilot stage for them. They're just using prototypes. So, you know, it's very early stages for that. We don't know whether that piece will actually come to market or not because it's such early days. Uh, but, you know, as technology changes, as Piora said that, you know, we need to stay atop of that. So that's one of the reasons that we're doing these pilot projects. Um, and then I think the plan is to share this information with libraries and with, with NELS if they're interested um, to sort of see how folks have responded and how the, the resources work for our users. Oh, the solar power sounds amazing. Isn't that cool? That, yeah, because I mean, that is the most frustrating thing when you're listening to a book on your iPhone and the battery dies and you got to go charge <laughs> before you yeah. can continue listening. No, so. not now. <laughs> exactly. So these groovy little devices, they're very inexpensive. They'll probably retail under a hundred dollars in Canada, which is great because, you know, um, things like daisy plazers they can be a real barrier for people to be able to afford them so these are great they're portable they're lightweight they're durable um and yeah you know i can i can i have a kid with a print disability so i could totally see her throwing it in her backpack and you know hanging it off the back to charge it uh while she's you know out doing whatever she's doing um so yeah that, it's great that these new technologies are coming becoming available and becoming less expensive and so those barriers are being removed from uh, from access yeah that's awesome so how do you decide which titles to produce in alternate formats 
um, it used to be back in the day that if there was a book that everybody was talking about, I kind of knew I'd probably have to wait a couple of years before it would be available in, in an audible format. And it's just gotten so much better. Um, I also subscribe to audible and I purchase, you know, one credit a month that I'll buy a book, but I always look in Sela first to see if it's there. And sometimes I'm shocked at how some of the newer stuff is already there. So how do you make those decisions? So from the SELA end, we have an amazing content and access librarian. Her name's Teresa, and she probably has the best job in our organization. So it's just her job to buy books. So, I'll, you know, that's what she does is she stays on top of those popular books and um, she nurtures our relationships with our um, publisher partners. So we actually have a collaboration with Audible, for example, and we get um, something in the neighborhood of about 25 titles from them on a um, sort of a monthly basis, which is great. Uh, we also have relationships with um, some of the bigger publishers. So Penguin Random House Canada is one we get their materials in audio format. Um, and then, you know, we, uh, we also will sort of keep our ear to the ground. We try and produce anything that's in um, any of the major um, literary uh, prize and awards. So things like the Giller Prize, the Governor General's Prize, the Writers' Trust, uh, we work with lots of different smaller prize organizations and literary organizations um, specifically aimed at kids. So things like Forest of Reading, the TV Summer Reading Club, um, Canada Reads, you know, all of these sorts of things. We, we try to make sure that we have uh, these books in our, in our collection before those announcements are made. And we work with those literary organizations to make sure that that happens. Um, and then Teresa just has a real knack for choosing books. And I know that a lot of your listeners are either young adults or parents of younger kids. Um, and she's a, she's a real fan of YA literature. So we have a really strong YA collection, really strong kids collection. Um, and yeah, we, we, for example, we just had the Canada Reads long list drop um, on the 12th, I think it was. And uh, I went into the collection and we work with them. So we knew ahead what the long list was gonna be. But when we found out we went into collection and all the books were already there. So Teresa does a really good job of sort of keeping her finger on the pulse of what people wanna read. But if there's books that we don't have in our collection and you want to read them, we have a, a suggestion form. And so folks can submit suggestions for things that we could produce as well. That's awesome. And what about Nels, is it similar? Yes. <laughs> Long answer, short answer. Um, and also, um, the only thing that's really different is that um, to a large extent, the requests we get are uh, what we actually produce in-house. And so that, that sort of drives that area. But um, yeah, <laughs> much the same, really. Okay. Do you get many requests from readers that want specific titles? We do, we do, and it helps us to keep on top of um, smaller, or, well, books published in um, specific provinces about provinces. So there was recently a book all about um, COVID in Nova Scotia, and so we had people requesting that. So that was really nice. Things, uh, books that we might not be aware of otherwise, but luckily a lot of people who send in requests have their ear to the ground in their own provinces and their own areas. So they help us to keep on top of those, um, those types of books. Fantastic. Uh, I've noticed lately more synthetic audio format books, which I'm not a fan of, just gonna put that right out there. I imagine it's a lot cheaper to produce. And I, 
I was wondering like how are decisions made about whether something will be synthetic audio or human narrated? So I can answer from the CELA perspective. And um, this is a question we get a lot. So thank you for asking. And it actually gives me an opportunity to talk about the fact that um, human narrated is actually our important focus. We really work to get as much human narrated into our collection as possible. Uh, but what I didn't mention right off the top is that CELA has a, a partnership with an organization in the States called Bookshare. And Bookshare is this massive organization. It's dedicated to providing materials for people with print disabilities. And they tend to serve primarily people with learning disabilities, but not solely. Um, and they produce books in synthetic audio and in um, synthetically transcribed Braille as well. Um, and so their collection, I think the last count, their collection, they had about 850,000 titles in our collection from their collection. So hundreds and hundreds of thousands of titles. And they add, you know, they might add, it's not uncommon for them to add 30,000 titles in a month. So, um, you know, we, we add a lot of human narrated titles into our collection, but we can't, there's no way we could do 30,000 a month, uh, which is why it's so important that we have all these relationships with other organizations. Um, we have one with the National Library Service in the States and we're getting their titles in. So we're currently loading their human narrated um, titles and then we'll be loading their braille probably in a couple of weeks. Um, and th that's another uh, 100,000 titles, I believe it is. So lots that way. Um, so we're doing our best to make sure that human narrated is the primary or you know is, is, a, is an option for folks, especially for books that they really want to read. Um, with the Bookshare collection, they've got some things like um, some textbooks and they've got some things where it's, it's not as important for you to have human narrated, but if you're, you know, if you're reading poetry or if you're reading a really fantastic fiction book or, um, you know, a biography, there's just, there's a quality to human narrated books that really, you know, I think most of our listeners would agree with you, Sean, that that's what they, that's what they prefer for that type of reading. Oh, I mean, even a human narrated book where the the voice is, I, I tried to read, um, to listen to Game of Thrones when I, when my, my son was first born. So I was like sleep deprived and exhausted. And it was a kind of a grovelly voiced man, older gentleman reading. And I just couldn't, <laughs> I just couldn't get into it. Yeah. It does make a huge difference. Mm -hmm. um, but the synthetic voices, the technology is, is evolving. So the synthetic voices um, especially if you're using something, uh, you know, like some of the newer apps, for example, they're getting much better. Like I think in, you know, I'm hoping that in a decade or so, we won't be having this conversation that it's, you know, that it's so different between human narrated and synthetic voice. Um, mm. But we'll, you know, we'll see where, where all of these uh, very smart people take us with regards to that. Yeah. I mean, they've done well with like the Alexa voice or the Google voice. Mm. So there's, I, the first time I downloaded one accidentally, I didn't realize the whole synthetic audio and, and it took a minute to be like, I don't think this is a person. So, I mean, it is, it's not like the voice of my jaws on my computer. It's not quite that robotic, but yeah. <laughs> and um, for us, people tell us when they fill out the request form. So on the request form, they can choose either synthetic or narrated as an option. And most of the people who request from us uh, will get back in touch and let them know um, that it takes a wee bit longer if it's narrated, depending on the book. Sometimes they don't mind, they just want to read it. Um, other times they would prefer to wait for um, human narrated. So it sort of depends on what you're looking for. 
So if a book was only available in synthetic audio and I wanted it in in human narrated, I could request that. I could say, can you please get this book for me? And I just have to wait. Yeah, it might just take a bit longer. Mm -hmm. That's great. That's good to know. So how are you each, um, how are your organizations funded? So NELS is funded by libraries in British Columbia, Alberta, Saskatchewan, Manitoba, Nova Scotia, Northwest Territories, Nunavut, and Yukon. Woo, shout out. Um, beyond that, operational funding from the participating jurisdictions, NELS also has additional sources of funding that come from federal grants programs. And it's a similar story for CLS. So we receive provincial funding from um, most of the provinces across the country. And we also receive federal funding. And um, some of your listeners might be familiar with the um, the conversations that we were having last year around this time um, about federal funding and the need for sustainable federal funding. So we're having those conversations now with the federal government, which is great. Uh, and then we also receive funding directly from public libraries who subscribe to our services um, if they're in provinces where the provincial government does not fund CELA. So that's primarily uh, British Columbia right now. Mm, okay. Is there anything that um, people with print disabilities can do to kind of make sure that the government knows how important these services are and that we really, really need them to continue? Well, I think it's always important that your uh, representatives, your political representatives know how important these services are. Um, that's something that we do sort of advocate for at a provincial and at a, a federal level. And we often are working with NELS. Right now we're having conversations with NELS and the, the federal government together, um, which is great because what we really wanna do is make sure that there's equitable access for everyone across the country. Uh, so yeah, if you want to sort of stay in touch with us with regards to what's happening on the, the political realm, and then, you know, when election time rolls around, or when there's, you know, there's town hall meetings with regards to um, local initiatives, you know, let let the folks know. Everybody from municipal level right up to the the federal level um, has a role to play in making sure that there's accessible library services and accessible reading materials available for people with print disabilities. It's just come so far from when I was a kid that it would be a shame to slide backwards and lose that. It's been, it's so fantastic now. I, I loved reading. I have a degenerative eye condition, so I could read print until I was about 18. But by the time I got to be a teenager, it was like so challenging to read a book visually. And that's when I sort of discovered audiobooks, but there just weren't that many of them. And it took so long to get them. And you know, I was kind of getting stuff in the mail, but it wasn't necessarily stuff that I wanted to read. It was just whatever showed up that week. <laughs> and now the fact that I can browse, you know, it, I used to go to the library and sit on the floor and just read the backs of the books. And like, I loved that so much. And now I can do that on an app, you know, I can, or on the website, I can read the descriptions of all the books and, and like, it's like one of my favorite things to do. So it, I just, I'm so, so appreciative that this exists and yeah, I don't want to lose yeah. it. <laughs> Libraries are magical places and they're so important for people with print disabilities in particular, right? It really levels the playing field for everything from academic success to economic success. And so that's why it's important that governments support these sorts of services. Mm -hmm. But also allowing us to come on and talk to you like this, like, this is wonderful. Spread the word. 
let everyone know because our collections are there to be used. So if you're not a member, join. If you know people who aren't members, have a chat to them about Nels and about Sela and about joining because, you know, mm-hmm. the more the merrier. <laughs> no, one of our youth um, a couple of weeks ago when we were talking on the podcast uh, a little bit about Sela and Nels and, and she's... 19 and has been visually impaired all her life. And she kind of was like, didn't know what was happening with books and thought she had to just kind of get them through audible. So yeah, she was really excited. I'm sure lots of people will be. Um, yeah. And I would, sorry, I would just jump in and say both our services are free, right? Like they're there for the taking. Mm. So just like the public library around the corner from you, um, you should be able to come and get the books that you want to read through, through our services. So please, as Kiora said, please come and, and join and um, make use of them because they're such, it's such an amazing repository of so much wonderful reading material. Mm-hmm. That's just reminding me of, uh, I remember, oh, maybe like 25 years ago, I wanted to read Harry Potter and I was getting them through the library, through through the local public library that on cassette tape, that's how old I am. Um, but so there was like a tape, like an audio book section in the library, but they were not de- designed for people who were blind. They didn't have braille labels on, on the outside of the, you know, like you couldn't just go and browse. I had to go in and specifically say, do you have this particular title? And then they would give me the big bundle of tapes to take home. <laughs> there, I don't know. It just, it was like, I guess, I think they're available to any person who, reads or who wants to listen to an audiobook but that's what I had to do way back then and it's just so much easier now. I'm just curious how your two organizations work together. Are there are there projects that you've worked on together? There are. We've done some really cool work together and um over the years definitely the, the number of collaborative projects that we've been doing with Nels um has has increased. So um one of the most exciting ones that we worked on together was um with the author Amanda LeDuc and she's written two books. Uh and both of those books, because of her advocacy, both of those books were released in all accessible formats and conventional formats at the same time. And that's a real rarity. Those we think are those are the first, you know, book number one and book number two that have ever been released like that in Canada. Uh, and that's really thanks to Amanda. She is a um, she's one of the nicest people I think I've ever met, uh, but she also is an incredible advocate for accessible reading materials. So um, in that case, we, Sila produced some and Nels produced some, and then we shared them and we worked jointly with the publishers and the narrators and just, you know, it was a, it was a great team collaboration to make sure that these books could be released simultaneously in all formats. So that was a really interesting one. Um, We also work sort of on a more day-to-day kind of basis, um, sharing resources, because we want to make sure that the the funding that we do received is used as responsibly as possible. So we don't want to duplicate efforts wherever we can avoid that. Um, And so we'll, you know, we'll share materials back and forth. Um, We have a memorandum of understanding. So we have a formalized agreement for a certain number that we we commit to sharing with each other. Uh, But we also, you know, as opportunities arise, um, our EDs will just sort of chit chat and see if there's some some places that we can, can work together to support accessible reading across the country. Uh, and we're also doing a really cool project. And I think I mentioned this earlier, it's called um, the Plark Project. So we're working to make sure that libraries again across the country have access to really good um, current tr- training materials and resources to help their staff 
deliver accessible services and to make sure that their staff is you know up to speed and aware of what's happening. It is a fairly quickly evolving um, area with the new technologies coming out. And so, you know, it's really important that libraries have a, a, a reliable place to go get information about that. Um, and it serves both our organizations. So that's really something that's been, um, that's been great. And then, I don't know, Piggy, is there any other things that you can think of? I don't want to miss any that are important. We recently did a collaborative purchase. Right. Yeah, so we purchased from um, Overdrive and Blackstone together. So that was really nice. So that means you both can access those titles? For yeah. Them. Okay, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. That's great. I uh, We actually had Amanda LaDuke on our podcast, um, which was really cool. And we talked a little bit about that, how it was the first first time that's ever happened that a book was released you know and available immediately in all formats if an author wants to do something like that is that I mean are you is that something are you open to like I how did obviously this was new she just you know was a trailblazer in that way but if other authors wanted to do something similar could they we're always open for, for conversations around this. Um, both of the publishing houses that Amanda worked with were, were really excited to participate in this project. And so they, you know, they put together a team that was able to support her vision for this. And I have to say, really, it was Amanda's vision and her drive to make this happen. Um, she's, as your listeners may know from, from your interview with her, uh, she works with the Festival of Literary Diversity. And so she's very aware of accessible issues. And she also, um, you know, has some accessibility challenges of her own. And so she's just, she's just a fantastic advocate. But if other authors want to do that, I would suggest that they start having those conversations early on with their publishers. Um, and it's something that we, you know, we would love to participate in. And I can't speak for Nels, but I'm going to guess that, you know, the, the experience was, fabulous for all of us, I believe. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. And so I would start there. Um, um, We can't really force publishers to, to, you know, Mm -hmm. to take on this project. So it really needs to come from the the publishers and the authors, but we, um, and particularly Nels, Nels does a lot of work around accessible publishing and it's really fantastic work and it's really important work for the, um, for the industry. Yeah, I, I would like to touch on a couple of things that I didn't early on. Um, so in addition to having your own account with Celia Ornells, we also offer um, accounts for different sort of categories of people that support folks with print disabilities. So we have an educator access program, which allows teachers and other education workers to have their own CELA account in order to um, access materials for the students that they're supporting. So that's especially important for, you know, for the younger students who might need more assistance in getting books so that they can read them in class and stay, you know, stay current with their, their classmates. We also have a, a program called the Client Access Program, and that is for supporting professionals who might work with our users in another capacity. So recreation therapists in a senior's home, for example, or um, librarians at um, hospitals, like the Sick Kids Hospital, for example, in Toronto. They might have um, an account with us so that they can get materials in accessible formats. And we also offer what we call a designate account. So that would be a family member or a friend or some other supportive person who might help someone, it's often our senior folks 
who need a little bit of extra support with regards to getting their books um, or, you know, or younger folks and children. So parents for sure could be designates. Uh, and that just allows them to manage um, their SELA account on behalf of our user, our end user. And so they can access those materials. So, um, so that's great. And you can find all this information on our website, but I did want to say that, you know, these are available for people who want to support people with print disabilities, but aren't a direct user. Mm, that's really good to know. Yeah. I think, um, yeah, the same with us. We try really, really hard for our website to have easy to find information. So that if you have a question about NELS or the service, it's easy for you to find the answer. So if you have any questions, just take a look at the website. And if you can't find the answer, feel free to send an email. You'll actually get me. Hi. <laughs> and I'm not remotely scary and I'm happy to answer any questions at all. Maybe you guys can, um, you can both share your web, web, how do people find you? N-N-E-L-S dot C-A, Nels dot C-A. Okay. And we're at celalibrary.ca. So it's C-E-L-A, library, L-I-B-R-A-R-Y dot C-A. Awesome. Well, hopefully you get flooded with some new clients, <laughs> new readers that are excited to try out your services. Thank you so much for joining me today. I really appreciate it. I feel like I've learned a ton. Uh, yeah. And uh, now that I know I can request titles, I'll be doing that probably. So thank you so much. We can't wait to hear from you Thanks so much <laughs> for having us. Thank you. You've been listening to Limitless, the Blind Beginnings podcast. If you have a question, a comment, a future topic request, please send us an email at limitless at blindbeginnings.ca. Please share our podcast and follow us and join us next time. This podcast has been brought to you by Blind Beginnings, an organization based in Vancouver, Canada, that supports children and youth who are blind or partially sighted along with their families. Music for this podcast is composed by Sean Bishop and Clement Chow. Production and audio editing by Rob Minot. For more information about Blind Beginnings and the work it does to support children and youth who are blind and partially sighted along with their families, visit us on the web at www.blindbeginnings.ca and also remember to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. We thank you for joining us and we look forward to seeing you next time.